Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking bitch and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Craig, and Donna, Jimmy, JC. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such, your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. It is Friday, which means another edition of News and Such here on Footy Prime. And as we like to do every now and then, we like to uh, bring another voice on, not just the voices you're used to hearing. Usually you're used to hearing James Sharman open the show, but he's busy because he's got four jobs. So it's me, Brennan Dunlop, at the helm, which is a scary thing for producer Dan Wonger. But Craig Forrest <laughs> is used to that because we do Sundays together. And Jimmy Brennan always brings something funny to the show, including that laugh. But as we like to do on Fridays, we like to bring other voices around, people who know the game, people who write about the game. And in this case, it's fitting I'm hosting because this person has written a, a book. His second book, and since uh, Sharman just owns books, I actually wrote one. It's fitting that I get to speak with Josh Cloak. Josh, how are you, buddy? Good. How are we doing? Welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, of course. It's good to thanks have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Josh Cloak of The Athletic and uh, Josh Cloak, author of a brand new book, The Voyageurs, The Canadian Men's Soccer Team's Quest to Reach the World Cup. Congratulations, buddy, on another book, your second Thanks. I, um, I, I I think I deserve congratulations, though, for getting you to write a blurb for the back cover. I mean, getting a celebrity like yourself to take part in this oh, was, is really um, is, is what kind of makes me happy when I wake up in the morning. Josh, why did why did you quote celebrity? <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't know there was going to be a video version of this. Oh. Hey, there's still a steward's inquiry about Dunlop's book as well. By the way, whether he wrote it or not. Oh, this one over my right shoulder. Do you wrote my life? So that was- <laughs> this is not about my book, boys. Okay, but uh, but thank you for all of you who have read this my my book. Um, so so that I appreciate. Right, Craig? It, unbelievable. It's epic. 
You're so full of shit. You never read it. <laughs> uh, well, look, I've I've read thirty one percent of the e copy of Josh's book, uh, and the only reason I've stopped at thirty one percent, Josh, and I know this because I've I've read reading it digitally, is I don't enjoy reading them digitally. I need that hard copy, which I'm going to get uh, this weekend, and uh, and your book will be available um, for physical order this month, right? Sorry, I don't have the date in front. Everywhere, it'll be available everywhere, bookstores, online, uh, probably as of right now. I know the official release date is October fourth, but yeah, I've seen it in some bookstores now, which is kind of surreal. Uh, and I'll make sure to get you that copy so we can get you over that uh, that one third threshold. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it, buddy. So, uh, so I, I'm curious. I mean, this quest to get to Qatar has been to, for some people um, since John Herdman took over in 2018. Uh, for many others, they would say it's 35 years. This quest. Um, what was the quest in writing this book? When did you start this book project? I started it um, the day after uh, Canada qualified for the final round of qualifying. Uh, so when they when they beat Haiti um, in round two. I had a call with my publisher, uh, Dundurn Press, and, and we just started kicking around some ideas because it was pretty clear something special was happening with this national team. And it, we had a few ideas, but ultimately the one I kept coming back to was doing kind of a, a DOS reboot for this men's national team. I think, you know, some listeners out there will will have read Raf Honigstein's DOS reboot about the, the German national team and how they kind of recovered from some pretty epic failures in the early 2000s um, and how they built a team that, that won the World Cup. And what stuck out to me about Raf's book and, and what stuck out to me about this story was not just the events or the things that happened that kind of contributed to the men's national team's rise, but the people behind the scenes. I think there was a lot of people that probably don't get enough credit in in greater kind of Canadian soccer circles um, for contributing to this men's national team success. And so what I wanted to do in writing this book was not just tell the story of, of the men's national team, but also, you know, talk about, write about the people that really kind of rescued this team because there were so many people behind the scenes that I think a lot of people don't know about, you know, and that's Tony Waiters, that's Stephen Hart. Um, and to be frank, I, I don't want to put him on the spot. That's Craig Forrest, you know, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, when the men's national team calls, you you, you get in line for a first-class flight and the next thing you know, you're, you're arriving at some beautiful training pitch where everything is laid out for you. But um, in, you know, reporting out this book, I learned that that was far from the case and Craig's story very much illustrates that. So yeah, I hope I did the men's national team justice and the people behind the scenes justice because, you know, the book starts in 1986 and looks at all the highs and lows, mostly lows to get the team where they are now. Um, because I, I genuinely believe that like, if, if this men's national team is going to continue with to have the success they've had, I think people need to to learn from the past and learn from mistakes too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Craig, did you want to get in there, buddy? No, I was, I was interested to know where you actually started. So you started from the '86, uh, yeah, nations. Yeah, the, the 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 book kind of starts with well, it, it starts I guess in earnest um, in Newfoundland. You know, when the men's national team qualify. For 1986 and I talked to to a lot of players on that team um, and it, it was just 
fascinating for me to learn a little bit about how different the, the World Cup and the men's national team was then to now. I think the World Cup really became this global spectacle that it is today, probably in 1994. That's kind of what I'm thinking was like the, when the World Cup really kind of graduated. I mean, 1986, there's just some fantastic stories about you know Paul Dolan um just being so dehydrated after his after his first game and and needing to do a drug test after the game but after playing in the Mexican heat he's just so dehydrated and the, the entire Canadian team's bus has already gone back to their resort and Paul Dolan just just can't piss and so the the officials there <laughs> the officials there start loading him with with coronas just to to get him to to find some liquid to piss and so he has three or four and he does his, his drug test and he passes and he gets back to the resort and the entire team is all by the pool, hanging out, drinking beers, enjoying the fact that they nearly drew France and they start buying <laughs> Paul with even more beers and unbeknownst to them, he's already loaded thanks to some of the Mexican officials. So I guess it's stuff like that that illustrates just how far high performance has kind of come. Um, but yeah, to me, it was it was that kind of stuff too. Because, you know, Craig, I'm sure, and Jimmy, you can appreciate this. The, the stories of some of those older players very rarely got told. And and for me, like, I think the thing that I loved about seeing uh, this current team qualify for the World Cup was having some of the former players walk out onto the pitch after. Like, that, that's something that doesn't happen enough, nearly enough. And so, you know, telling, and I know, Craig, you were a huge part of that, um, and, and you were fully clothed, which I, I, I know you had wondered if you would get to that place <laughs> when they qualified. That's right. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I think it was just important for me to just get as many different voices and people in the book as possible, and I, I hope I did that. How many people did you speak to, Josh, in writing the book? <sighs> I lost track after a while, dozens for sure. Um, no. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, what I learned from from the book I wrote about TFC is, is you know, it's one thing to try and go after a ton of people, but it's 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 asking maybe better questions and, and instead of just recounting events, the, the thing that I kept asking people is, is what don't, what didn't fans see? What don't we know? Uh, you know about this this men's national team, and everybody has their their thoughts. Everybody has their opinions. You know, there were some really, really vocal interviews I did. Paul Pescasolito, who I'm sure a few of you guys know, is vocal and and of the show. yeah, just fantastic um, interview. And look, it's not all you know, sunshines and roses and four 0 wins over Jamaica. It's there's some really ugly stuff. Um, with with the men's national team and I think it was important to kind of tell some of those stories as well how many people were willing to tell stories about Jimmy was, was there a lot of uh, Jimmy stories it was people would get into zero it buddy you know zero. what you the can boys uh, the boys wouldn't wrap me out yeah it was, no, it's off think, record reveals though listen I think everybody knows Jimmy Brennan leaves lives the cleanest and most astute lifestyle of anybody on this show. So no, there was, even if I asked the question, people, people would say Jimmy Brennan is, is, is a, a perfect man. So what, what could I, what could well, I say not, about him? Josh, he's never hiding anything because he is naked all the time. So he has to be clean. <laughs> there you go. All right. There's, there's an entire chapter. He just did it. <laughs> 
Josh, one thing I find really interesting, but you talk about having spoken to dozens of people to the point that you lost track. You you were working on a very short timeline. I think for a lot of people, time uh, makes no sense in this pandemic. I can't believe that it is the start of October this weekend. So did you find that difficult uh, in in was that a short time frame for you or because you are a daily beat writer, uh, deadlines aren't, aren't, uh, aren't as intimidating? No, I mean, it was extremely difficult if I'm being honest. And I say that because, you know, I've got at the time, I, you know, three year old son at home who just takes up a ton of my time and then you're juggling, you know, a, a full-time job, but I mean, if you can kind of piece things together, the men's team qualified for the final round in in June and the deadline for this book was pretty much right after the final round of World Cup qualifying. So I had about eight months to put this together. I mean, Dunlop, how long? Five years, bro. It took me five years. I've heard that you wrote a book. I've heard through the grapevine that you wrote a book. No. I don't know if anybody can back back up this rumor, (laughs) but... (laughs) <laughs> I heard you wrote it back. How long did you? How long did you get Dunlop? That was a fi- that was a five year project, bro. It was uh, we 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 started uh, our chats in 2016, uh, and I would say like the 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 deadline process, the the turnaround process was supposed to be uh, 13 months, uh, because of the pandemic it turned into a- 18. Uh, but he, I mean, a- 18 months is a is a is a big timeline to to fit in a couple of years of interviews before uh, yeah. eight months well, during a qualification like that. Like that's uh, it's impressive, man. And you've, well, you've got some amazing interviews in there. I, I, in a, I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it was, everybody has their own process. I, I'm an early morning guy. So like, you know, I would, well, first, like the last thing I would do before, before I finally passed out at night was do like, was transcribe interviews. And so yeah. then you kind of go to sleep um, with the, the the sweet sounds of Craig Forrest in your head, and then you, <laughs> and then you, no, but I mean this. But then you kind of fall, you you fall asleep, and you wake up, and it's the first thing you're thinking about is whatever you did the night before. So then you wake up the next morning, and you start right. Like I would usually take a short walk in the morning, at around five o'clock in the morning, and and just get to work on it right away, and then get breakfast ready for, for Basti and your, uh, so that's kind of how my, that's, that's the process. And that's how I was able to do it. In, in so you, it was almost like waking up with me, eh? Well, that's what I was hoping spooning. for. That's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Were we spooning? Well, yeah, <laughs> we switched back and forth, big and little. Oh, okay. Um, that, 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 <laughs> but you had to make breakfast big, every time. Big, sometimes a big guy likes to get a cuddle too, right? Well, right, right, exactly. Who you doesn't? know the scoop. Yeah. yeah. Let me just um, roll over. Yeah. No, you know what, though? It's, I, I will say that, like, um, to be able to write it during that, like, I think we all can appreciate that final round of qualifying they were just going up and up and up the whole time. And the momentum just kept building. So to be able to write it during that was uh, inspiring is not the right word. It was more just, it, it was just an injection of, of energy because like it was pretty clear match day after match day that this team was going to go to the world cup. So you use that, that momentum, like as you're writing the thing, right. And people just want, like all along as the team gets better and better. Like if I tried to start this four years ago, I think people would have been like, you want to talk about the men's national team? Like what, mm-hmm. why? But as they started to have more and more success, I think everybody felt a little bit more comfortable and eager to tell their side of the story. Right. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Josh, oh, you know, sorry, when, when you do these, writing this book, right? I mean, with the football world and footballers, we're, we're a close-knit bunch. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a global game, but it's really a community. And everybody mm-hmm. kind of sticks together. There's a lot of stuff that we know that we just, we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Right? It kind of stays in the inner circle. And obviously, you're doing a lot of interviews with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with individuals from past to today and present. Was there, was there anything or any interview that kind of got you where you just went, wow, I had no idea that that happened, where someone's just opened up and just told you some interesting facts? Yeah, and, and without kind of um, giving away too much of the book, that, you know, Julian de Guzman, who we all know and, and appreciate, I thought he was remarkably honest with me about um, how he didn't take the national team as seriously as he probably should have. Right. And I think you hear whispers about that all along, like, oh, players weren't as serious. They'd show up to camps and, you know, they would treat it like a, a holiday and a party. And I kind of heard that at the, in the very beginning of the reporting. I'm like, OK, well, who is it? And then to have someone like Julian put his hand up and say, this is probably the best opportunity I'm going to get to say, if the men's national team didn't have success when we were at our most talented I was partly to blame because I think we look back at some of those teams in 2007, for example, like that gold cup team in 2007 was so talented. That midfield was incredible, but you're always wondering like, why didn't they kind of put it together? And Julian was really, really honest with me. And I appreciated that. Mm. And so there was a little bit of that because it's rare. And like Jimmy Craig, you guys can appreciate that. It's rare when a player will really put his hand up and say, this is all on me. Um, and so I really commend and appreciated Julian for doing that. And again, without giving too much away, it, obviously unpacking the 8-1 loss in 2012 was a big one. And what I learned, Dunlop, did you get to this part in the book? The 8-1? I did not get to 8-1, buddy. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I need the hard I need the hardcover enjoyment for that. That was that that's a big, big moment. Here's Starting what with- I Here's what I'll say, because I don't want to give too much away, and I would hope that someone out there listening will go and, and buy the book because of this interview. But hearing the way that players on both sides approached 8-1, um, there were rumors running rampant the morning of that game that players in Honduras were being offered land, like like housing and land if they won this game, because if they win this game, they go to the final round of qualification. And my understanding, and I, I checked with many people on this, is that it, once people from Canada soccer hear this, they say, okay, well, we've got to inspire our players to go out and win too. And all I will say is that what players were offered in the dressing room, what millionaire players who get were getting paid tens of thousands of dollars, pounds a week at that point, what they were offered uh, – in the minutes before they go out to play one of the biggest games of their lives speaks to just the difference and how serious some people took the men's national team and, and, and some people in different countries took their men's national team. I, I, I hope I'm kind of tantalizing that a little bit because what I, when I learned that I was uh, astounded. And uh, again, this is how the sausage is made, or this is how the, you know, the pies on the side of the 401 in, in Coburg are made. Like I just literally asked what, what, what don't people know about 8-1? I, I encourage people to, to check it out because I, I think that 
It's and, and Craig, Jimmy, you guys know it's it's astounding how some people in the organization treated the men's team for so long. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And, and you know, what? <laughs> you guys say it all right there. You say it all. <laughs> well, yeah. what, one of the concerns for us, I mean, it, it and it doesn't uh, bother me, but um, I mean, I knew what I was getting into when I came back to Canada and where the situation and where the sport sat. But is that you know, down the road, uh, these players that are playing for this team, where where are they going to be with this national program? Where are they going to you know sit? Are they going to be kicked out the door, uh, thrown in the toilet? flush down the toilet just like the rest of us uh, because that's really what is you know a lot of the former players feel like that they sacrificed an awful lot in a time that uh, CONCACAF and FIFA were incredibly corrupt as well and it made it very difficult from that side to qualify but you know the the lack of love uh, I, that I see to uh, towards former players uh, I, is uh, really disappointing to me really well I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I put it in the book when like at the end of qualifying but when you guys were kind of welcomed out on onto the pitch afterwards and you, you know, Craig, I, I just remember seeing out of the corner of my eye, you got to have a, a moment with Atiba where you were very appreciative of, of everything he did. Like, did you see that as a, as a step in the right direction? Because it stuck out to me, you guys being on the pitch after. Yeah, it did, except there was an awful lot of people in that stadium and former players that uh, I brought it up with the, the association that it's uh, it's nice. I thought it was brilliant. But why isn't, you know, the difference between having six or eight guys down on the field as opposed to having 20 guys on the field? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people there, uh, back st- backroom staff as well, that were actually at that game that deserved to be down there, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're going to do something, do it collectively. Everybody's in this together. And I think that's where they kind of miss the boat, where it's a really good idea, but you just seemed to miss the point a little bit. And I felt for guys. I mean, Jimmy Brennan was one of them. Why yeah, wasn't I, Jimmy Brennan down on the field? You know what I mean? It's just like they tried I was, to do something. I was, I was standing beside Hardy. There's about four or five of us that were all standing there. Yeah, like yeah, in the stands. Yeah, Actually, stand. in, in the stands, in yeah. seats that you paid for. Right? Yeah. So I brought that up with the association prior to that as well. Um, and just thought that, hey, God, there's a lot of people here. Alex McKechnie was in there, you know, Raptors guy for – amazing for the canadian program like well get them down there yeah. get them all down there they're all yeah, part but, of it we're, we're it, all part of it so yeah I, I, and and i agree i mean there was a ton of media people on the field and there was there was there was space for more there was space for a lot more people um, yeah, yeah but look i i i tried to i mean i i could probably write three books about you know just soccer in canada but i tried to to stick to the men's national team and everything you know, that you guys went through and, and the people that have read the book so far, friends and colleagues have said that, yeah, like it's, it's, it, it's pretty clear that because I think some people and by some people, I mean, you know, Canadians who are going to watch the this team for the first time at the World Cup might just assume that, again, things are great. But I think it's mm-hmm. important to for people to understand that, you know, when this team and the organization go to the World Cup, this is an opportunity to see how real world class football federations work. Mm-hmm. And man, I hope I hope some people have their notebooks wide open and are taking notes the entire time. Mm hmm. I hear you on that one. Uh, well, I uh, I'm very excited or interested to hear the answer to what um, they were offered before eight um, one because I have a feeling that it was uh, something probably as appealing as a lunch with Wonger. 
<laughs> Holy shit, they would have won. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, who doesn't go for lunch with Wonger? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, lunch, I, uh, yeah, that's unfair to you, Wonger. Lunch with you is, is very exciting. Um, yeah, lunch lunch with you can be very entertaining. And much like uh, Paul Doley leaving the, the hospital in, in Mexico after his uh, drug test, yeah, you're loaded. You walk away loaded for the rest of the day, day drunk. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a ton of, man, I'm just kind of thinking, I was thinking last night, I was kind of like thinking about what to read and doing a a launch. Um, I'm doing two launches in in Hamilton and Toronto. And I was thinking about what to read and there's some salacious stories out there. And Jimmy, to your point, maybe not all of them. Like I get some, I, you know, I I did get that. There were a lot of times where I talked to people and they're like, I can't give you everything. There's a circle, there's a code. Um, but there's some yeah. great, there's some great stuff in there. And I get that. I do get that. Um, sorry, the term circle made me laugh, John. <laughs> sure. I know what you're thinking. I can't think of why one. I don't know. It's yeah. just a shape. <laughs> no. And, and so, yeah, I was thinking about what to read and, and, um, I'm going to try and go a little bit, a little bit salacious and, and, a, and, uh, but with lots of pride too, because I do think it's a, like, I think there's a lot of ways that this team and this organization can improve, but I do think it's important that people, you know, feel good and celebrate a bit too, because they, fuck, they made it. They did make it. Like, did did anyone think they were going to make 2022? Really? Yes. Really? When? Craig did. I, before it all started, I said, this team is going, I told Sportsnet when they took the deal from one star, I said, you do realize this team is going to the world cup. Like, okay. Genuine question. When did you, when did you really believe that? Uh, like when John Turk after the Haiti game. So, so guys, just so you know, tomorrow, this is coming out on, uh, September 30th news and such tomorrow is our three year anniversary, October 1st within the first two or three podcasts. Craig said Canada. We had Jimmy on, mm-hmm. like I think the third or fourth podcast. Everyone said we see a really good opportunity for Canada to get through, and so Craig has been on this boat for three years now. Yeah. What What was it that you saw? Well, I mean, just putting them up against the other Concacaf teams, the the situation within Concacaf, FIFA itself, the level playing field that the, they would get. Um, that's all you can ask for, and I thought on that basis alone that we were definitely in the top three in CONCACAF. I think to go on Wonger's timeline, it was that win over the U.S. at BMO. That that's that was your tangible shit, yeah. man. Am I right, Craig? And yeah. You, it, yeah. And you talked to players that were on that team. They, like that 2019, in that 2019 game, they mm-hmm. felt it too. I remember talking to players and they what they found was was the real spark was how Herdman asked, uh, asked, he told uh, Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies to do more pressing up front than they ever have before. And so players see, okay, here's John Herdman not hesitating to ask our two best and most offensively inclined players to do hard defensive work, and they're doing it. That makes the rest of the team go, shit if they're buying in we have to as well and so it just raises the level of of you know everyone kind of doing their job and i think yeah that was the one where and they the the team needed that they needed just kind of that game to go okay we can do this like we have a ton of belief in ourselves now just Mm -hmm. because of one result sometimes that's all it takes right Mm -hmm. 
I think yeah. also also keep in mind when you when you started to look at the roster that was coming together with with Lauren, with Fonzie, Buchanan, and all these players. And then you're starting to watch them as well in Major League Soccer, a lot of them. Then you're watching the ones over in Europe. And we're, we're, we're drawing in all these other players as well, coming to play for Canada now. And the squad was getting bigger. The pool was getting very, yeah. very strong. And I was like, Jesus, we've, we've got a good group here. But the one yeah. thing that, that I liked where I kind of started going, we've got something special here, was our attacking and like our firepower going forward was ridiculous. Just yeah. ridiculous. In some games, I was like, Jesus, I've never seen Canada play like this before. This, yeah. is, yes. this is a squad that's going to do it. So there's there's two things that, that stick out to me with that. First of all, like, it, and Craig and Jimmy, you you guys would know, like, if, if you had an 18 or 19-year-old come up to play in the national team, like, that's different. That is like, it's one thing to get a few minutes on your club side and, and maybe a throwaway game on the, you know, on the weekend, but to play for your national team at 18 or 19, that is a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. There were games in 2018 where John Herdman turned the keys over to his teenagers, right? There were games where there would be six teenagers in, not just like in the match day squad, but mm-hmm. playing. And so that was an important step, I think, for John Herdman early on was to give like Jonathan David and, and Alfonso Davies now, there's no doubting what they are as players, but like they got their debuts at, at 18. That's huge. Right. Yeah. And there's, and there's other teenagers you can include in that Liam Millar. Um, these are players that got really important minutes early on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then, and, and the other thing too, is that, you know, in terms of that, like kind of attacking mindset that wasn't always evident through qualifying they had so many different looks tactical kind of looks but mm-hmm. you know players and and john herdman himself told me after qualifying like they kind of debriefed and they said what do what did we like about qualifying what did we think we can take from that and take forward to qatar and every single player said you've got to take the reins off us if we are going to have success we have to go after games we have to play front foot soccer and that's what we saw against Uruguay. So those two things really stick out to me is that mm-hmm. these guys got these young guys got time early on. And Herdman kind of listens to these guys and said, how do you think we can have success by yeah. just going after games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right, uh, Josh. I mean, when watching that Uruguay game, even though if that's a World Cup game, we're going to be terribly disappointed, obviously. But I think the actual the way they set their stall, the way they played, the way they pressed – the way they controlled that game at times was more encouraging than it was discouraging, certainly from the result itself. Um, I think there was good lessons learned in that game. The team knows they can go toe-to-toe, but there's certain elements that they need to be better at. And I think it was just the perfect friendly match as opposed to you know what we saw against Qatar, for instance. I thought it was great. Yeah, you're totally right. Do you know the other thing is too, especially in qualifying, and what I, what I loved was that when the games were so close, if they if they played like on a Wednesday and then a Saturday, and after that Wednesday match, you would take four or five players out, and then another another group would come in, and the standard didn't change. Yep, the standard did not change. Where that's when I, you start realizing you're going, Jesus Christ, like we we've got some players here, we've and it's still evident now. Like you look at you look at a guy like Sam Piet who played the two games with Atiba Hutchinson, you know, recovering from injury. I know Sam Piet isn't you know, the hipster's choice in terms of great footballers, but he did a job and that's pretty commendable in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, having your team prepared in such a way that you can have a player like Sam Piet, who was just, he played here and there in qualifying, 
And then mm-hmm. he can be dropped into a lineup to start two games in a row within four or five days and do a job, mm-hmm. right? The, the the level of preparation, like I just got to bring it back to the book. I got some tremendous stories about the way. Of course, team of course you have to bring it back to the book, John. Well, I'm, I'm with Dunlop. I'm with Dunlop. I know. I, I want you to bring it back to the book, but I've been I, trying, but these guys, now these guys want to talk. They didn't want it at the beginning, but now they got questions. Yeah. You know, the, the way that like Herdman prepares his team sometimes in an un, in unconventional ways, but like the, the level of, of minute detail that is covered and the way that, that players go about kind of tactical planning, instead of just kind of looking at a whiteboard and saying, here's where you're going to have to move the, 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 the preparation is just so intense in a way that, you know, I got a great story about the, uh, in the 1986 world cup, um, you know, Canada's getting ready to play France, which at that point were European champions. Um, and Tony Waiters, head coach at the time, sensed that his players were a little bit nervous about playing France. And so in his team talk the day before the match day minus one, he's going through video of France and he purposefully started butchering players' names, butchering the pronunciation of players' names so that, you know, players would kind of, players would start laughing and he, everybody would be put, you know, at ease. And I just think about how far preparation has come from, you know, just making fun of the other team to going, you know, here's intense documents, heat maps, in and and let's, you know, longer training sessions so that, that Sam Piet can come on and do a job right away. It um, That kind of stuff yeah. is remarkable to me. It, you know, uh, John Herman, I can't speak highly enough about him. Uh, I mean, I'm Jimmy we've had some pretty iconic managers or guys that we've been around managers uh, in the top end of the, the footballing spectrum. And he's up there with them, like with uh, his detail. Um, I've never seen anybody quite like it actually as detailed as John Herdman is. And uh, I think the players really, really appreciate it. Now, there's no doubt about it. I think when you, when you watch them play as well, every single player knows exactly what they're doing. And I think sometimes when you're watching football matches and you're like, where, where, where are they right now? It's, it's almost like Keystone Cops where they just have no idea what's going on. They're all over the place. And, but when these guys play, they're, they're so organized, they're disciplined, um, they're in sync, which shows you that they've got the right preparation before they go into these matches. What do you guys realistically think they can do in Qatar? Realistically? I think they can get out. Realistically, I believe they can get out, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. There's no question about it. You go through all those squads, uh, even Morocco, um, nine of the ten of the starters the other night when they played in a friendly were born outside of Morocco. Uh, They've got some incredible talent uh, in their side. Uh, Players are playing in some pretty big clubs as well. So Belgium, we know about Croatia. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne couldn't be playing any better. Modric looks like a spring chicken. I can't believe how good he's looking lately. I don't think that, uh, I mean, obviously he's going to be a handful. You know, it's going to be difficult, but they certainly are going to have a go. Going by that Uruguay game, they're not going to sit back and try to just make the numbers and try to catch on a counterattack. They're going to actually have a real go. They might lose games, but they're going to they're going to leave it all on the field, which I, I really love. I, I'm excited to see what we're going to see in a, in a month or so. I think having Belgium first, Josh, is great. Yeah, because... I've said this. Yeah, I've, I've said that a few times as well. It's great that you can just 
go at a game that you're not expected to win and is not a must win game by any by any kind of account and just just go after that and get those kind of you know, I remember after qual after the first ra- game in the final round of qualifying, John Herdman kept calling them "holy shit" moments. Like a lot yeah. of players were kind of like, "Oh, this is <laughs> what this is what playing these these really stingy Concacaf teams is like." And so I think they'll have you know a holy shit moment. Be like, you know, I th- <laughs> there's a world that Sam Piet starts and has to mark Kevin De Bruyne, and like I don't know if you have a bigger <laughs> holy shit moment than that. Yeah, um, amazing, amazing. But you know what I mean, and and then you get that out of the way. You were not expected to win it, and then you can. Again, there's a world in which they can find four points in those final two games. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a there's also a world where, you know, they they come away with with two draws in their final two games, and that's incredibly respectable too. I, mm-hmm. I think I think most people want that this team, if they just put in the effort that they put in against Uruguay through 270 minutes in Qatar, like I I think that's that's all you can ask for right now. Mm-hmm. What do you see, uh, uh, Tiba Hutchison? Where do you see him uh, in this picture? Because he's obviously been out. He hasn't played. He's got this bone bruise. I think the medical staff went to Istanbul to see him. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are they going to do with Tiba Hutchison if he's not 100% going into Qatar? Do they take him? Well, Tiba Hutchison is going to be wheeled onto a World Cup pitch. That much. Like, I, no matter what. A t- like, I don't... We're talking about you know, being able to envision different worlds. I do not envision a world where Atiba Hutchinson doesn't step on the pitch in some form in the World mm-hmm. Cup. And I say that because, look, I, I, I did an entire chapter on Atiba because you could make a case that he, he like, no player has been as pivotal for this team as, as Atiba Hutchinson. We talk about a guy that showed up when he probably shouldn't have. You talk about a guy that made sacrifices and you talk about a guy now that is instilling that professionalism in these players in a way that maybe players didn't in the past. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think a, he'll probably be ready. Um, I mean, he lives just such a uh, much as, as, as Jimmy, he just lives such a clean and perfect lifestyle um, that, you know, be careful, he, Josh, what you're saying. <laughs> Come after you in a minute, buddy. <laughs> he, he, you know, I, I just think Atiba Hutchinson will be ready, and if he's not a hundred percent, I don't see how John Herdman doesn't get him in there in some way. But he's on the plane, like no. I, I think it's also a benefit of having, and I'm not saying Atiba Hutchinson fits in this role, but like you got 26 guys on a roster now as opposed to 23 before. You can bring, you can afford to bring guys that, you know, quote unquote locker room guys, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like there's, there's, to me, there's other guys that fall into that kind of sphere, but yeah, I think Atiba Hutchinson is there. Yeah, I sure hope that's the case. And I, I think you're right. Uh, and you're right about Atiba. I mean, for years and years, he just kept showing up when it was just an absolute gong show. And there's and there's guys in that lineup, uh, Junior Hoylet, for instance, uh, for years, uh, you know, he turned down Canada uh, because, and I don't blame him. He was looking after his own personal bread and butter, and that was club football. Um, but for a guy like Atiba, he deserves to go on the back of that. You know, just the... the uh, commitment that he is actually given to this squad sure. into this yep. country 100 yeah. he'll, he'll be there whether he's playing or not atiba will be there 
It would be a Canadian soccer tragedy if Atiba yeah. Hutchison wasn't able to to play at the World Cup. Yeah, and I hope he does. I mean, like, and I played with Atiba as well in the national team. And for me, I, I don't think you'll meet a nicer man. Um, and what a great footballer he was. I love playing with that guy. And just to see where he is today and finally get there and play in the World uh, to, to get to World Cup, he's – I mean, it's all our dreams since we're, we were little kids, you know, playing in the backyard and you're kicking the ball and it's, oh, last-minute World Cup and you're having a strike. And we all want to get there as footballers, and, and he's got that opportunity, so he, he has to go. And then on the other hand, there will be a few guys who would have played in qualifying that will not get the call. So there's going to be some – you know, really disappointed players as well. And that's just part and parcel of it. Unfortunately, you only have a 26 man, but at least it's 26. That's a pretty good number. I love that though, that that's where we're at with this men's national team, that we're, we can have intense debates about the 24th, 25th and 26th guys <laughs> yeah. on the roster. Whereas like four or five years ago, you would have been like, I don't I, like, I, there's no way we're going. I don't care who gets to go. Like it, it yeah. was just an afterthought, but yeah, look, I, I, I do that too. I have 22 locks on, on my team. Yeah. And I, I, I think the, the majority of the roster is pretty much set, but yeah. there are, I mean, a guy that we all know in, in some form, like a, and like a Daniil Henry, like, do you bring Daniil Henry? Because on one hand um, he hasn't played, much at all this season right and he just hasn't been getting minutes at at tfc but i tell you i I have spent a a lot of the last few weeks you know talking to national team players in preparation for the world cup all of them rave about how important daniel henry is behind the scenes and i mean rave yeah he's a great guy because for a few reasons one he raises the intensity in training in a way that no other player can. And like, it's important to have a center back like him who can not, you know, in an aggressive way, but challenge an Alfonso Davies in training to make sure he's ready for the game. And then he, he has this uncanny ability to create a sense of harmony in the dressing room. And if he senses a player is lacking in confidence and kind of drifting to the side of the group, he brings them back in. Right. And, and he is the guy that everybody says is so important to that quote unquote brotherhood that they all rave about. He is the starter there. Right. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the, the yeast that bakes the bread. He's the thing that gets it all started. So how do you leave him out? How do you leave? A, how do you go? If you're John Herdman, how do you get on that plane knowing that you have kind of taken out such a vital element of the the recipe that's that's my take yeah look if, if you if we're going to be honest here you, you're going to travel with 26 yep okay. those three games you're rolling with maybe 18 outfield players maybe less honestly that's it mm. so you, you're going to have you're going to have your starting 11 who you're going to go with and then you're going to have maybe six seven subs they might come on or play a game here and there. The rest of them are there just making up numbers, just extra bodies. So you're right. You need those guys that are going to be there, create a good team spirit, want to be a part of it, um, and not be that cancer in the dressing room because you can't afford to have that. And if you've got a man like Daniil Henry, uh, who's been around for, for a while now, um, and he's that that leader who uh, understands his role, okay, I might not play, but I've, I've got a role to do here. Um, I can't I can't see him not going. Because if he's that vital in the dressing room, he's got to go. I, I I agree, and and like, you know, I know that there's some some dual nationals whose names are are creeping up. Daniel Jebison, uh, Luca Colio, who's been called into the last two camps, and I think is 
could be an important player for them, a really important player, you know, come 2026. But, you know, I've been told, like, if you if you offer him a World Cup spot, then he commits to Canada. But, oof, again, Craig, Jimmy, you guys know this, like, to to, to pull out that, that key guy, that locker room figure who, you know, just defines and embodies loyalty for a new guy – like the it's a chem it's chemistry right the whole locker room is a chemistry and if you mess with things and I'm not saying John Herdman will but I think a lot of true soccer heads are going to have pretty intense conversations about Daniel Henry and I don't know I'm on team Daniel Henry for for these reasons I can see that I'm glad you said that actually and I do think that uh, you know he has a way to ignite Canada soccer Twitter um, rightly or wrongly sometimes in a way that uh, Harry Maguire can ignite uh, Man United <laughs> soccer Twitter um, at least for his play on the pitch right but it's uh, it's off the pitch that makes it uh, so important as you say um, hey footy primers um, listeners won't have a new Canadian soccer jersey to buy Ooh. but they will have uh, a new book to buy the Voyagers the Canadian men's soccer team's quest to reach the World Cup written by Josh Cloak uh, you've got a couple parties to promote it this week buddy tell us about it what's uh, what's coming up first in your hometown yeah, uh, Hamilton, which is tomorrow, October 1st, at uh, the Great Bernie's Tavern, which is just down the street from Tim Horton's Field. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're hosting this kind of launch um, a few hours before Forge and York play um, in the hope of getting you know some fans in there. Uh, we'll have people from both Forge and York there. Costas Mirniotis, director of football at at, um, at Forge, and Nico Giantsopoulos, uh, York goalkeeper, are both going to be there talking the Canadian Premier League and talking about the kind of player pathway, and I'll be doing some readings there. Um, so that's at Bernie's Tavern, uh, 3 p.m. On, on Saturday. And then we're doing an old-school footy talks uh, October 4th in Toronto at the Rivoli. Uh, both of these events are free, um, and the one at... Uh, at the Rivoli, October 4th, James Sharman will be there. That's why he's not here today. He's just preparing for it right now. Basically, he said he's spoken to you too much. So he had you on the parlay this week, and uh, I think he did another interview with you, and he's got you on Tuesday with his parlay gang. And he's like, you know what? I've just, Josh must be sick of me. I'm just going to go make pies this morning. Yeah, listen, I, I would be sick of me if, if that was the case. Like, I, 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 I'd, take, I'd take making pies over talking to me, too. Um, so, no way, yeah, buddy. that's October 4th in the evening uh, at the Rivoli. Um, books will be for sale at both of those. I'd love to, you know, to meet some fans, meet some readers. Um, and, it, yeah, just continue to talk about the 24th and 25th guys on the roster. Hey, congratulations, buddy. It's uh it is no easy feat to uh to write as much as you do uh normally. And it certainly is no easy feat to uh to put it all into a book in the time frame in which you put uh this story together. So I can't wait to get my hands on a hard copy, buddy. And uh, it's always great to have you on Footy Prime, Josh. Thanks, man. And 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 Craig, I I should I again I've been texting everyone, but thank you for taking part in in the book because uh your story is important and, and I hope I did you justice in the book as well. Oh, thanks. Well, it's my my pleasure, absolutely, and I look forward to spooning again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go on that one, guys. <laughs> go on that one. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the weekend, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, pal. See you guys. See you, pal. Thanks. See you later. Oh, I love that. Uh, I didn't get to the Craig Forrest chapters. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting to those because uh, as we – Yeah, maybe I should have read it before. 
Yeah, maybe. As I, <laughs> as I tried to pick a, pick a title, we tried to pick a title for, for your eventual book. Um, nice to know you're speaking to another writer to you know set it up before you we get to we get your own out there, Craiger. <laughs> um, a couple other talking points. Uh, did you anything else you want to say about speaking with Josh? I do love that we got in, into the weeds about uh, the 25th and 26th man. That was well. Good. I think the timing of the book is uh, couldn't be better. You know, yeah. from his standpoint, things are yeah buzzing around the program. So. Totally. You know, look, do you know what I like, guys? Is you know we all play a role in, in growing this game in in Canada. Everybody does. Um, you know, us doing this podcast. You know, Josh writing books about the national team. The more we can continue talking about this game and creating awareness and getting it out there, the the more that we're all coming together and, and helping helping grow this this great game in this country. So it's uh, I'm glad that he wrote that book, and I hope it's successful, and I hope he does well with it. Yeah, amen, man. Mm-hmm. Perfectly said. One other uh, talking point, Wonger. Um, you really wanted to get on the the Moroccan and Algeri- Algerian jersey. I, so I got the, I the just, jersey point. I in loved there. it. I loved it. I love that there's other jersey drama out there other than Canada. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. This is this is a bit like higher scale, I would say, than jersey drama. Where we're just upset that they're not available, and if they are available, that they're overpriced. This is oh, hey, you neighboring uh, country that we've despised for centuries. Uh, you're using our cultural artifacts in your federal in your, in your national team jersey. Um, get the f out of here. That's a different <laughs> weight right now. What, was, yeah. Wasn't it their their <laughs> cultural mosaics that they yeah, really used? That's it. that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cultural mosaic. And, and they've, got, they've got two weeks to, to – Adidas has got two weeks or something to, to get rid of it and make it Yeah, new yeah. So yeah. – We're all hell's going to break loose. Another manufacturer getting some shit. <laughs> and this is way worse than uh, Canada. Yeah. I wonder if Canada's watching going, okay, go on, Adidas. Are you going to make a quick one in time for the World Cup? <laughs> Where are you on this one, Nike? Yeah, We want ours. Well, I was going to say, you take the piss. We should have someone design, make it a full American-looking jersey. And then we're like, hey, here's ours. Here's the one we're going to use. Every American will lose their shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we should make a, a Canadian A Canadian can and appropriate all-American symbols. The stars all over it. Uh, yeah, stars. <laughs> Blue, red, white. McDonald's, the golden arches. That's right. <laughs> Denny's. Big Mac yeah. right in the chest. Actually, that, that would be the way to do it, is you take a Canadian jersey, but you make it like a NASCAR jacket. That would be the way to make yeah. it American, right? Just throw sponsors all over it. But then again, uh, Canada Soccer can't get those sponsors. So That's true. That would never happen. That would never happen. Uh, the Premier League is back. Guys, thank God. Great. Uh, Enjoyed watching Canada, obviously, but uh, we've got a hell of a weekend. The fixture list makers knew that we would be uh, missing the Premier League, so they've given us a North London derby to start things on Saturday and a Manchester derby to start things on Sunday, of which we're going to be doing our Footy Prime Match Day live stream on YouTube and on Twitter for the Manchester derby. Uh, So do join us at halftime and at full time for that. Um, But Footy Picks, boys, I don't know, Wonger, if uh, we have the time to... Do your yeah, full we will. song insert. Sure. I'll drop in this. Why not? I'll drop, drop a song there. in right here. Are you ready? Yes, sir. It's 40 picks. It's 40 picks. It's 40 picks. On 40, 40. Prime. <laughs> so, Premier League weekend. Uh, what matches do you like, Craig? What are you looking at? West Ham Wolves. Oh, I was thinking the same. 
that's the standout hey surprise yeah. surprise what, yeah. what you like west ham at home minus one i like i like west ham at home yeah yeah i it's do well, the wolves uh they play some decent football but a stingy team I, I would take the under there but you gotta lay some juice it's gonna cost you 40 cents it's yeah. minus uh minus my nephew's gonna be at the game as well he's paul pesca salitos looked after him oh wow nice nice Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, was, I was looking at that as well, that West Ham and Wolves, and I think it's going to be a great game. In the last 10 games, West Ham's won five, Wolves have won five, and sorry, the last 11 games, and they've drawn one. So, oh, it, you did research? Yeah. Who who yeah. are you? No, seriously, I looked into it. <laughs> and, I, and I fancy West Ham as well. Well, that's North Star Bets has it at uh, minus 105 for West Ham, plus 320 for the Wolves. So if it's a five and five, like Wolves is a good long shot bet too, paying three to one, over three to one. Yeah, that's it. That's not bad either. Yeah. Yeah, but away at the. It is away. It is away. Home of the most expensive pint in the Premier League. Oh, makes me sad. As Paul Petrosolito, though, got in our chat saying that uh, West Ham don't dictate the prices. He he, got the, uh, he tweeted actually. It's the uh, oh, stadium yeah. that sets the prices. So I Pesci, if yes, told him to do that. He got all defensive. <laughs> Pesci got defensive. Him on the couch. Right. Sorry, <laughs> I missed. I missed that. He actually tweeted out that. So makes- he tweet. He tweeted in response to our tweet that West Ham has the most expensive pint. Yeah, and Paul Pesci Salido tweeted. I'll read it word for word, um, but essentially that uh, West Ham don't dictate the prices. The Olympic Stadium does. That's it. It's the Olympic Stadium who decides. So, yes, Pesci, we'll, we'll, we'll just blame the Olympics. Karen, Karen's giving the old nudge on the, on the couch. <laughs> you tweet back to these guys. Yeah, <laughs> but he sons didn't, of he, bitches. He, he failed to mention that they got such a sweet deal in there that that was why they they had to get the prices up on their beer to get some of that money back that they didn't right. have to pay. Right, because West Ham got the Olympic Stadium for fifty bucks. You mean? Yeah. That's why. Oh, I tell you what, though, I bet you the pubs, the pubs around the ground are probably buzzing though, because everybody's in there just down in pints before they go into that stadium. Yeah, getting a three three quid pint as opposed to seven fifty, they're probably necking them. Yeah. That's uh, that it's the mall, the big malls across the street, right? The Stratford Center, I think that's uh, what's called now. It's it's a pretty great facility there but it's like the, the pubs around there it's like drinking at uh jack astor's they're all like in that mall plaza there must be more but at least on that one end where the mall is it's all yeah. a bit of that you're, you're paying premium there you're paying five quid mm-hmm. six quid a pint a lot of guys will do it they'll be on the uh the train link somewhere yeah and, uh, yeah they were drinking yeah uh, local Wonger, did you have another game, buddy? I did. I like the, and as you called it, the North, and I'm sure everyone calls it, but the North London Derby. That's what it is called, yes. Arsenal yeah. Tottenham. Uh, and I will take Spurs. Come on. Uh, it's a long shot, but uh, I'll take them plus 250 on North Star Bets. Arsenal is plus 105. Draw is plus 270. But I like Tottenham. I, I like the way they've been playing. And... Uh, you know, that whole sun coming out of his shell a couple of weeks ago has given me some confidence. So, uh, yeah, I'd go with a little fun on that. Whose son was born out of a shell? Well, uh, Hun Min Sun. That's his name, correct? He was yeah. a little grumpy for a while. He yeah. was. He was. He looked down, didn't he? He yep. looked down and then he got all show-offy. So he kind of drove me a little crazy, but he, he did, what was it, a hat trick? 
Did he score three that last game, right? Everything blends together. Yeah. I, I don't know what game yeah. we're talking about. For Korea? No, no. No, for the last Tottenham game. Oh, sorry. Remember, he punched three amazing goals. Yeah, in 17 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. What you got? What do you got? Uh, so I'm sorry we didn't have any time to speak about the Manchester Derby. Um, I think this is going to be a, a massive test for United, and I think that uh, they're actually going to be up for it. So I would not normally do this, uh, but I would say sprinkle on the draw. It's a joke because I take the fucking draws all the time and I always lose. Plus 460 <laughs> is the draw. Um, but I, I just think it happens a lot, right, that these marquee matchups that we expect to go one way uh, tend to play a bit more like finals and can be a little flat. And I think that uh, the time off has served United well. So I'm going to go with the draw in the Manchester Derby. Can I ask you, fellas, this is a longer question. When City and United play... Called the Manchester Derby. Yes. And that's a a good answer, but that wasn't the (laughs) answer to the question. (laughs) Because, like, where, how close are these stadiums? Do they, is it a 50 50 or is it they only let a certain amount in, like 10, 20% of United fans when it's at City, which it is this week? How does it work? Well, there's an allocation to away fans, which would be the same for City as it would be for West Ham or, okay. or anyway. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. So it's not any. It's not anymore. Just because it's local, that would make it uh, a lot harder to manage. Mm, able okay. to increase it because it's local. No, so it's this, it's the same allocation. Each ground is different because each ground's capacity is different. But mm-hmm. it's the same allocation as it would be for any other opponent. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have too many away fans in there because then it, all hell breaks loose as well. Yeah. No. Uh, but hey, happy anniversary, Wonger. Three years yeah. from October first. Yeah. As Pretty of amazing. tomorrow. Yeah. Pretty prime. I have some great pictures that all of us are. I just got to get a couple more with JC, so I'm going to put them up for tomorrow. Nice. You're going to tweet them from the yeah, tweet them from tweet the them account. from our account. Yeah, for sure. We all uh, look a little older. We're recording this on Truth and Reconciliation Day, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I wasn't aware that the the children are not off school, Wanger. Children aren't off it's school. A federal, it's a federal holiday and a bank holiday. Yeah. So Truth and Reconciliation Day today in Canada. So if you have some time, do some listening. Do some thoughtful approach to it. That's all. Yeah. I think all the kids are wearing orange today as well. Yeah, they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. my kids went to school with orange shirts on. And... Good. Very good. I'm glad uh, from a footy perspective, you know, this is where you can always get uh, your truth. And I'm glad that we got some stories from Josh Cloak. And I'm looking forward to uh, to reading that book, The Voyagers. And not just because I, I've got a, a blurb on the back of the book, much like Charmin's got a blurb on the back of my book. Hope it'll, hopefully it'll trigger more d Does it say on the back of it? Does it say D-Row? Author of D-Row My Life. Yeah. If you like this book, you should read. Yeah. Actually, that was the endorsement. I'm going to have to write a book one day. Yeah. I think you should. I think you should. What would it be called, though? I'm not as naked as you think. Yeah. Uh, or what's wrong with being naked? The Jimmy Brendan story. <laughs> we should ask the listeners to come up with Jimmy's book title. We did Craig last week, so that's the next bit. The t- two things for you, Footy Prime listeners. Uh, pre-order Josh Close's Josh Cloak's book. Um, like uh, and subscribe to everything we do on YouTube and Twitter. And then come up with Jimmy Brennan's book title. And then we'll start writing it. Brilliant. What do you mean, we? I thought you said you were going to write it. I'm not writing it. I'll talk. Someone can write it. It'll it'll come out before the 2030. If you're doing it with me, the 2030 World Cup, buddy. That's when it's coming out. (laughs) 
It'll be funny. That's kind of my timeline. There you go. And then most of the people that you're going to offend might be dead by 2030. So that, I think it's a pretty good timeline. I'm not worried about that <laughs> at all. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, keep buying newspapers and join us on Sunday for the Manchester Derby. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.